Welcome back, everyone, to Indie Game Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Chris Norman. Today's guest is Jerem Felipe, creator of the card game Jojo Joe, which has done really well for its first release. And if you have read Jesse's book on the art of game design, you know that learning about game challenges from all forms, since they all correlate so well, is vital. So let's get to the interview. Jerem, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so honestly, kind of to kick off the conversation is, uh, what? why did you choose game desire development as something that you want to do? Uh, well, choosing is a very strong word. Uh, I was actually, after I graduated, I had my dream job, which was to work for musical theaters, like big musical plays. Uh, and that was really, really satisfying. But also the way people run this business back in my country is, uh, is very, it's a very ancient way to do things. So while I was working there, I started to research something that I thought was interesting and valuable and new. And this is how I really got into game design. It was just running away from the old-fashioned way the theater was run. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I, I wouldn't uh, think that going into that type of art, that's, that, that's really interesting. Um, so obviously you, you started the, uh, that game you designed, uh, I think it was last year, right? And then uh, since starting this journey... What's kind of the most important thing you've learned so far? Uh, the most important thing, uh, I think that um, uh, the most important thing that I that I'm still learning, all right, because I, I don't think I'll ever finish learning that, is that you're not making something for yourself. Yourself is just a fraction of it. You're making things for someone, and and this is all you need to get good feedback or to get motivation or to find accountability. When you're working just for yourself, it, it's it feels different, man. That's true, and I think just just to add to that point too, I think a lot of times when we're creating a game, we get very very personalized with it, almost to the point where it's a we are so sensitive to feedback. But when you're creating something, of course you're enjoying it, and you're passionate about it. But when you're creating it for the enjoyment of someone else, like you want to share your art or your experience with someone else, and a, you know many many people, then then you're kind of I think more open to feedback, or you should be more open to feedback, because at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be ones playing it and buying it. So you have to kind of uh, deliver it in a way that they really uh, enjoy. And so, so uh, yeah, you, oh, you imagine like the, those people at Ubisoft or you know the the big companies. They probably had very different ideas on how their games should look like. But in the end, they make the games for us. So as game creators, we might as well go through the same process. <laughs> right, that's true. And at the end of the day, we enjoy the game, right? So, I mean, they, they create it for us, and that's why it's so enjoyable. I, will, I guess, depending on what game <laughs> you talk about. But um, yeah. So uh, what do you think skills, you know, entering this field of game design, game development, what skills do you think are vital for someone new starting out to have? Um... I well, of course, you need to understand how to sell things and, and how to sell anything. I would say that even selling chocolate brownies is a good experience <laughs> if you want to go into game design. Um, in my case, I, I'm not a, a computer developer. I I had very few resources when I started creating my own game, which happens to be a card game, physical analog game. Uh, so. I just looked around to the skills that I had and the skills that I could immediately get. For example, I'm also not a great designer, not a great artist. Uh, so I, I realized that within my immediate friends, I had a lot of 
designer friends and I managed to get my game's design as a birthday gift. Uh, so I don't think there's any crucial skill that you need to have beforehand. I think starting is the thing that is going to point you to what you need and who you can contact and what you need to learn. I think it's a great point. Just, just to add that because I, I wrote that down is that get, get feedback in and the skills and talents from others around you, right? So it's it's really, I, w- I would say impossible, maybe it's not impossible, but to, to be excellent at every single skill that a game design, uh, whether that's a digital format or or, or, or you know board game or card, whatever that is, we can't be good at everything. So to, to kind of gather the talent around us to assist us, I think is, is really crucial to that, uh, if that you know is, is the path you want to go down. Mm, I agree. So what do you think? Obviously, and this goes this correlates to to both digital and and um, analog, both of them. But what do you think makes a successful game? Why do people end up paying money for a game and playing with their friends? Or what what makes it successful that they they go go and do that? Now look, uh, I have strong opinions. All right, so I'll take <laughs> it with a grain of salt, but because uh, I'm just gonna treat them as the truth, but they're, they're not necessarily all right. But uh, I I follow these two guys on the internet, John and Hank Green, and they say that there's only two uh, valuable human endeavors. Uh, the first one is to reduce world suck, and the second one is to increase world awesome. <laughs> And I, I think this is perfect. It, it puts in a very simple way something that's very complicated. So either you're curing a pain, uh, and for example, sometimes you're with your friends and you're bored and you need something to do. So that's a pain that a game could cure. And sometimes you're creating a, 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 an unexpected benefit. So I don't know, you go in through a difficult situation and you play a deep narrative game and you feel better after that. Uh, yeah, so uh, when you're creating your game, you need to either understand what is the benefit you're offering or what is the pain you're curing, which it's easier said than done. Right, yes. <laughs> That's so true. And I, think, I don't think I've mentioned this in previous videos, but you, you brought up such a great point. I think I'm going to add to that. There was a book called The 22, I think it's Immutable Laws of Marketing. I'll, I'll put it down in the description below. And if I don't put that down, remind me. If you, uh, but um, okay. but it really talks about exactly that. We have to solve a problem. And it goes into, uh, I think there's seven different problems people face in a psychological uh, standpoint that we need. If we want them to uh, purchase it or have interest in it, we have to solve that problem. One of them, of course, is, is that. Is it a... It'll make them look better to their peers? Will it... And there's so many different avenues in that. But I love that. Uh, just kind of remind me when you were talking exactly about that. We have to we have to find a problem or a solution, and then we'll have to address that in order for someone to be, you know, feel like they need to be involved in what we've created and and uh, play that with their friends or just you know just just play the game in general. Yeah, uh, well, this also comes a lot of from the Silicon Valley super culture that ah you need to understand the problem perfectly. But I think that sometimes. Uh, there's also the other way around like i don't know maybe twitter or facebook are not immediately solving a problem of course if you look for a problem you'll find them <laughs> right. but uh i think they're more of offering you a toolbox and this is also something that a game can do so uh, that's why i like the distinction so much between those two different energies oh that's a great point and so so i think we've, we've kind of touched a little bit on solving problems or whatnot so let's kind of go into that marketing 
standpoint of game design or game development, how important sure. is marketing to someone who wants to actually make a living uh, or make money from from game design or you know or from their art? Uh, look, I think if you want to make money out of out of game design or games in general, you have two avenues. You have the avenue that most of my friends, uh, my, my game industry friends follow, which is let somebody else do it, uh, <laughs> which is generally like if you're working as a game designer for a company, uh, there will be somebody in this company who is going to be 100% of the time dedicated to that. So you don't need to worry much. But this needs to be understood as an exchange. You will lose something out of this exchange. Maybe what you, you gain will be the thing that you're looking for, which is, I want to make games and not worry about this money shit, which is mm -hmm. fine, uh, absolutely fine. This is, however, not what I chose. Um, I kind of chose to do my marketing, and I got to say, I spend a good at least 80% of my work time selling the game and not making more games. And I, I assume, I, yeah, I assume a lot of people would find this very boring. It's not boring. It's more stressful than boring, but uh, it's a very particular skill set that you need to use. But it also gives me a lot of, of freedom. It also gives me control over the whole process. So, uh, yeah, either you need to do that for the majority of your time or you need to find somebody who will do it for you. Exactly. I think I mentioned that too in a previous uh, discussion as well. And, and I'm not sure there's, there's an exact formula, there probably is, but you know, 50%, 30%, 80%, find out what the need is, right? So what's your goal? So, and just, just briefly highlight this before we move on. Uh, one should, before endeavoring in their marketing, they should create a marketing plan, something that they want, the goal they want to reach. So I want to reach, you know, $3,000 a month by X amount, perfect. So you're going to go that down to per month, per week, per day, and you're going to try to get interest. So what is that, what does it take to make X amount of dollars per month, how many sales of a game, just doing that alone, you'll have an idea of the effort it'll take. And if the effort is well over, you know, a, a good portion of your time that you need to hire someone to do it, or someone, you know, one of your friends to kind of handle that, because obviously if you're creating the game or still working on the game, you can't spend 90% of your time if you're still working on, let's say a Kickstarter uh, campaign, right? You, you can't, you'll market 90% of the time and then have enough time to actually build the game. So there is some balancing in that, but for sure planning it out is huge because without a plan, uh, you won't have any success because you don't know where you're going. No, I, I agree, but my situation is very, very specific. Uh, basically, my game company is me. It's not true. I have a friend of mine who invests a little bit of money. I have this designer friend I mentioned, a couple of people who help with A, B, and C. But... Uh, when you're so such such a tiny company, uh, planning is uh, it becomes a very different process. Uh, there's very very little room for for experimentations that will take months. You need experimentations that will take days. So a, a lot of what I planned at the very beginning has proved wrong. But uh, with a tight team or just a one-person team, such as my case, I have enough flexibility to change the plan literally from one minute to the other. So I've, I've been to events uh, giving like, I don't know, talking to people and giving uh, business cards. And then I realized that nobody wanted the bloody business card. <laughs> right. So I just improvised a table out of a food tray and put the game there. And suddenly I was surrounded by people. So um, th there is planning, but there is uh, different levels of flexibility with this planning. 
100%. And I think that's important because especially early on, we don't know what our target market is for a game, right? So we have to try different things sometimes to figure out what's working, what's not. And of course, as we kind of figure out, like you said, that plan will be adjusting, uh, like maybe on a minute, minute by minute basis, but uh, just just be be comfortable with change. I think it's huge when it comes to marketing, just, just in general. Be comfortable with failure, be comfortable with change, because you'll have to do that to find out who likes your game, where your audience is at, and how to actually reach them on a on a, an emotional level absolutely yeah so uh move, moving on obviously you said you, you've done a lot of things with marketing testing the water so to speak what's the best tip that you can provide that's worked for you that you know maybe others can utilize themselves uh, uh okay again strong opinions i, I imagine like you're gonna record a lot of those episodes so i guess the basics will be covered at one point or another so let me give you a sort of a weird tip perfect sell <laughs> Whatever shit you got, sell incomplete, unfinished, ugly things um, because sometimes some people will buy them and then you'll be able to ask these people, the people who already spend money on whatever you're offering, why did you buy it? And then you actually get useful information. All of your friends and family, they will tell you they would buy that. And maybe they will because they're your friends and family. <laughs> but when a complete stranger gives you 15 bucks and grabs your game that looks horrible, th that, is, that is a powerful moment and you should seize it. <laughs> I, I love that. It's so powerful. And I think too is that, not, not that we should ignore our family and friends' opinion, but a lot of times they really care about our journey because we care about it. And so the, the, the information they provide could be obviously biased or you know, just, just not, uh, but like you said, it's a complete stranger who, who picked up our incomplete thing. Yeah, th their opinion uh, in my, my thought matters a lot more just because they, there's a reason why they bought it that wasn't attached to knowing us personally. And it's, it was, it was in intimate to the actual object or our game they bought. So I think that information is vital for us to progressing in, in our you know our path yeah absolutely friends and family are great also i don't want to i don't want to put them down but uh they many times they're not buying the game they're buying you right. which is great you should have a lot of people who buy you in your life but uh what you're looking for is the people who would buy the game with zero percent of you involved right exactly and just really briefly with that i'm not sure if it correlates but um so in my business career, I, I would buy businesses and, and uh, grow them from like a quantitative standpoint and, and, then, and then resell them, right? So I remember typically when you, when you buy a business, about 50% of the customers will disappear. Just kind of know that oh. instinctively because the, the customers were, especially if it was an owner-operator business, they were attached emotionally to the owner-operator, not the actual things that were being sold. So when you're buying mm -hmm. when you're buying a business, just know that that about half the customers will leave and not come back because it's not the owner. I think it's really important to correlating to this environment is that we really have to get feedback from ones who are not just attached to us, but also attached to whatever is selling and why are they buying it. I mean, of course, you need you need both, but th there is definitely some some huge uh, information involved from strangers purchasing without emotional attachment to us. The actual item or our product because there's a reason why they're doing it on a fundamental level yeah that's very interesting i never thought about that 50 percent of customers sounds a bloody lot yeah that's a lot and, and, and of course it changes depending on how large the company is but if it's an owner operator like it's just 
you know, a husband and his wife or whatever uh, running in the business, typically you'll see a huge amount of customers leave. And you actually have to anticipate that when you're buying the business, knowing that the gross income coming in will not be the same when you purchase it because you'll, you'll just anticipate people uh, leaving. Not because, the, again, not because you're doing anything wrong, but just because that uh, they were actually shopping there because they enjoyed the experience of the owner. Uh, themselves get it. and, and yeah. they went there to establish because of the customer service they got from said owner but anyways but yeah just, just correlating to that to getting information i think is important cool that's interesting so what is a one piece of business advice you'd uh would provide a new developer um to kind of help them get through uh the the, the hump uh i i made a mistake at the beginning of my career uh well i made 20,000 but let's let's highlight one just for just for good learnings uh, I used to have a YouTube channel this YouTube channel that I to told you about when I was working with theater this was my way of researching games and creating some sort of a accountability pulse that uh, uh, that I would put out in the world so I would not stop I was creating videos and posting one video every two weeks uh, I stopped and I will never forgive myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you should be working out loud is the right expression. Everything you do, you should somehow put it out there, put your face out there, put your mistakes out there, put like bad articles out there as, as well as the good ones. Uh, I think it's, um, it's very powerful to let your immediate network uh, know what you do and especially why you do it. Um, I was making those videos uh, up until the point that I, I had two part-time jobs and it was, a, it was even more of a workload than one full-time job at the time and I felt like I didn't deserve all this stress during my weekends but gods I wish I had I wish I had kept the stress um, yeah well it was in Portuguese anyway the, the audience would be very limited if it was in english it would be more useful right and i think it's a good point what you what you says because sometimes we want to just per and again this is a society you know in, in general in western culture just uh only putting our successes out there but we have to be if you want to be open to feedback that is crucial for our success we have to be open to both providing failures and successes so people can assist us on this journey because uh, from our perspective we only can see one side of things so uh like like if you go onto my art station account which i'm horrible at art i mentioned this before in previous videos that art is my like i just it's my kryptonite i just i cannot but i, I put i put both my garbage art and something that i feel like is good because i want feedback i want people to know that hey i'm progressing here's here's everything i'm doing that i feel is relevant uh, help me on this journey and i think it's worked for me and i think it's important to and your fans will i think feel that genuineness that uh, you really want uh, to improve in maybe your your game uh, for, for their benefits. So just just in general, I think being open to to that is is probably an important thing for for progressing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's especially important to put uh, uh, retrospectives, not only like "Hey, I fucked up," but like "Hey, I fucked up." This is why I guess, and those are the things that I could have done differently. It it shows people that you're not just you know pushing everything out of your way and, and going forward but you're also a living thinking feeling person you know yeah sometimes especially on the internet it feels like 
people are just things floating in a, in a space. And then you tell the story on how your mother called you and you had a headache. And it feels like it has nothing to do with game development or marketing or anything. But the, the audience can put themselves in your place. That's super important. Mm -hmm. I agree, yeah. So uh, what's what's one learning resource or book or anything that you think that would be, you, you could recommend a new developer, new designer entering the field that would kind of help them progress faster uh, in their career? Okay, so if, if you, this is, this is a general opinion, but if you could only read one book and before you started creating your first game, the, the, the book that I would recommend would not be uh, how to make games rules one-on-one -on -one or anything. I would recommend Man and His, His Symbols by Carl Jung, which is a, a Carl Jung was a fam famous psychoanalyst, uh, almost as famous as Freud. Uh, and he wrote one book in his career that it was not dedicated for the medical community. It was dedicated for the general public. And it's brilliant. And it's beautiful. It will feel like there's some unknown, powerful force cuddling your brain. It's really <laughs> remarkable. That's awesome. And I'll make sure to post that in the description below, uh, just so ones can can look at that for their for their benefit. So I wonder if it's open source nowadays. It's been a while since he released that, like <laughs> decades and decades. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe someone can. Uh... Look it up and do a Google search and then post that in, in the, the comments to see if uh, Fair enough. that's yeah. on a, a PDF format for once. So, Jeremy, kind of a, kind of finishing up the discussion on, on, on development or whatnot before we kind of uh, get to know you more. Anything else you want to mention yeah. as a tip or as a motivation, I guess, for, for new developers to kind of help them not to give up? What, what, what's kind of last minute advice would you would you give them? Mm, my, my advice is... Uh... Sure, you love a bunch of games. This is why you're trying to make a game. There's no other reason. Uh, but don't make the same games you like. Make them a little bit weirder. Make them a little bit different. Make something that nobody else could make. Uh, even if your game is not a huge success, even if your game is not the thing that is going to change your life overnight, uh, you can contribute to this long chain of people, little by little, step by step, creating different and richer experiences. So be a step forward, not just one step sideways like everybody else. Try something a little bit different. Awesome, no, great, great tip. And uh, so Jerem, so let's kind of transition to you a little bit more. Obviously talked about kind of getting people's feedback when they, when they buy, so why do people, uh, have have bought your game and and buy your game. What do you think you're doing right that people are are interested in in JoJo Joe? Okay, uh, actually, my process was different from most. Uh, at least, oh, I don't I don't have the data, all right. But I did talk with a bunch of people, and it feels to me that games are generated generated out of out of creative idea. Like I don't know, I have this cool mechanic that I learned how to do, or that I saw in a game, and I think I can use it differently or I have this scenario, this story, something like that. Or it comes from this marketing pain point uh, research. Like, oh, we found out that Nintendo Switch players really love couch co-ops that talk about space marines, so this is what we're going to do. I, I did something slightly different. Um, 
I had a design studio, like an actual graphic design studio, uh, before I st- I went full time into games. So I did a design process. Uh, when I started my game, I didn't know it would be a game. I just I was trying to find a solution to a problem, and the problem was that I, I was having a hard time making friends and and any strong connections when I moved to a new city. I moved from Rio de Janeiro to Berlin. And those cities are very different. It's a, it's a different personality. Uh, and I, I was really having a hard time. So the day that my game started its official development was a day that I was trying a bunch of different things to solve my problem. And one of the things that I tried was I grabbed a bunch of post-its. I wrote the most bizarre questions I could think about. <laughs> imagining that maybe if I challenge people with questions they never heard in their lives, I would actually get a, a better result. And that proved truth. So from this point, it took months, it took like five months for this to start to become a game. Uh, and, and this is what I think I did right. I found a real problem that I knew was real because I was experiencing it. And uh, I gave myself the opportunity to create anything that would solve this problem. It ended up being a game, but it could be anything else. That's 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 that's, that's awesome. I think that was great great feedback for for ones. So let's so you know, Jeremy, what what, do you, what, uh, what game are you working on right now, or what uh, what? Let's a little more now about JoJo Joe and just in general about how we can follow your work. Okay, uh, so I, I just started this new. Uh, project. I'm trying to create an emotional intelligence Tamagotchi. Um, it, it doesn't have a name yet, it just have a team, uh, which honestly it's all it needs to exist. We're working on it. I also collaborating with a friend of mine uh, to create a solar punk tabletop game about climate catastrophe in which um, if you lose uh, your village gets decimated by a flood and actually there is water dripping out of something and you see your village getting destroyed and the map you created get decimated. Uh, but those projects are not ready and they don't have names. So I can't really share very much. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But well, what we'll make sure to do is that um, I'll get all the links uh, for you so one's interested in your, your journey, kind of following what you're creating next can, can do those. So, you guys can find those links in the description below. But, Jeremy, thank, thank you so much for the discussion. I think it was awesome. I think a lot, a lot of valuable feedback and, and tips for everyone listening. We just definitely appreciate your, your time. Yeah, that was great, actually. It was a very chill conversation. And, uh,